Damn, it feels good to be a bankster. A real bankster takes your money to the last cent. You broke asses give us all your motherfucking savings, cause broke asses never read fine print. And all I gotta say to you communists, socialists, non-working, chronic-smoking wanksters, when you gotta get cash, where the fuck you gonna go? Damn, it feels good to be a bankster. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I bet it is good to be a bankster. Who couldn't feel good with the kind of money that these guys pull in every year? Wells Fargo, CEO Tim Sloan, the new guy uh, who replaced the last guy who oversaw the largest banking scam in American history, uh, he made $12.8 million last year. Citigroup uh, CEO Michael Corbett, $15.5 million. B of A CEO Brian Moynihan, $20 million. And J.P. Morgan CEO, the Democrats' favorite banker, Jamie Dimon, made $28 million last year. Let that sink in. $28 million in one year. And what do these pricks do for that kind of money? Absolutely fucking nothing! This is the We Are Here podcast, episode 007. Fuck the banksters! Good hello and Welcome back to the We Are Here podcast. As I said at the top of the show, this is episode 007, the Fuck the Banksters episode. Uh, before I get too far into it and let you know what's going on, I do want to thank the Cult Comedy Picture Show, Cult Comedy Picture Show, uh, for the song that I mashed up at the top of the show, uh, Damn, It Feels Good to Be a Bankster. Uh, Go check out the Cult Comedy Picture Show on YouTube. They have some fantastic videos. They're super funny guys. Uh, do go check them out. Cult Comedy Picture Show. And also, if, if any of you guys are listening, please don't sue me for taking that song. I'm trying to plug you as much as I can. Cult Comedy Picture Show. Honest to God, it's funny. Spend spend a few minutes. You're going to do it. You're going to be fucking around in, on YouTube anyway. Just take a few minutes for this Cult Comedy Picture Show. Okay. There we go. Hopefully that keeps me out of court. Uh, today on the show, we're going to be talking to a very smart man named Walt McCree. He's from the Public Banking Institute. We're going to be talking about public banking. What, you never heard of public banking? <laughs> ne neither had I. Don't worry about it. I had never heard of it either until a couple of weeks ago. Uh, public banking. Yeah, in case you didn't know, all of the major banks, the Wells Fargo's, the Bank of America's, the the JP Morgan Chase, the City Banks, that's all for profit. Those people, those banks, those institutions are there to make money from you. Uh, they take your money and they do whatever it is that they do with it. And normally that's just invest it and sometimes in ever riskier investments. Um, and hopefully at the end, they make more money because they want more money from you. Uh, the money that they, the profit that they make goes in their pockets. Um, that's where, why their CEOs are so handsomely rewarded. They make a lot of money off of you and they keep it. Uh, you know, they just keep that profit. That's 
you know, inherent in the system. Now, what if you were able to take all the profit uh, that is made from banking in, in terms of interest rates and that sort of thing? Because um, if you borrow some money, you have to pay it back with interest. What if you were to take that profit, that interest, and not line the pockets of Jamie Dimon? And instead, it just went back into the kitty, back into the system, so that the system then had more money to loan out to more people at, uh, you know, with some more interest, and that just kept perpetuating itself. Think about that. All the money that's siphoned out by Jamie Dimon and, you know, all the rest of those fat cats just get just got turned back into the system so that the system was always flush, always healthy, and always ready to make loans to decent people doing decent things. Shit, that'd be all right, right? That's public banking. That's what we'll be talking to Walt McCree about. He's uh, from the Public Banking Institute. Uh, I'm going to let him explain all of this. I'm going to shut up um, because I didn't know a whole lot about this before I started talking to Walt, and I learned a whole lot uh, by the time we were done, he's, he's, a, he's a very well-spoken dude. Um, I hope you're going to enjoy this. I think you probably will. It's something that uh, is almost never talked about, but uh, I think you're going to probably start hearing a lot more about it as we go along here in the next couple of years. Uh, public banking. Um, yeah, so that's it for me. Uh, I'll talk to you at the end of the show. Oh, wait, before I turn it over to Walt and his um, brain, uh, a couple of people... Last uh, time we spoke in episode uh, 006, a fine episode that you should go back and listen to, um, I at the top of that show, I had begged you to come and uh, uh, join us on Twitter at WeAreHerePod. That's our handle, at WeAreHerePod on the Twitter machine. A couple of you did. You know who you are. I know who you are. And you're fabulous. You're awesome. Your hair looks great. Um, and you're uh, generally a nicer person than most other people around you. Um, thank you for coming out and uh, joining us on Twitter. If you haven't, please do, at WeAreHerePod. Okay, that's it. I'm not going to pitch anymore. But yeah, I will. I'll pitch again at the end of the show, but let's pretend that I'm not going to. I'll be right back with Walt McCree from the Public Banking Institute. The loudspeaker spoke up and said... Let's just back up all the way to the very beginning. What, give me the 30,000, the view from 30,000 feet. What exactly is public banking? All right. Well, public banking, public banks are all over the world. They hold about 25 to 40% of the assets of the world are held in public banks, banks that are owned by the people. That is to say, instead of private stockholders and shareholders, the citizens of the, of the city, county, state, or nation have a bank uh, that they use to create credit uh, for their economies. And as we, as everyone knows, you can't build a business, you can't build a home, you can't go to school without credit uh, or without money flow. And so money is a utility that banks manage. Now, banks all over the world have been privatized and it is uh, that's uh, meaning in the hands of private stockholders and shareholders, and they operate this business of banking with the idea of creating profits, as many profits as many you know, and uh, profitability of shareholder interest, which is fine. It's a legitimate business, but when it comes to the interests of the people, public interest, that is not the interest of a private bank. 
Uh, and yet what we do uh, in America in particular, uh, and to the tune of $4 trillion a year, is we give private banks the money of the people, tax dollars and so forth, to, be, and we, uh, to, uh, to hold uh, and to invest for us in some cases, uh, to lend back to us in, in most interests, in most cases, uh, uh, to be able to build infrastructure, build schools, and so forth and so on. And for all of the money that we borrow from these private banks, we pay interest. So uh, the cost of our infrastructure doubles, literally doubles by the time the project is over. And that's, the, that's a typical, you know, it's a broad number, but typically that's uh, what it amounts to. 50% of everything we buy, 40 to 50%, is interest, finance charges. So a public bank, uh, and there's only one in the United States, it's the Bank of North Dakota. Uh, uh, that bank is owned by the state. It's actually the state of North Dakota doing business as a bank. Uh, in other words, it's a DBA. And by law in North Dakota, all of the money that is received from taxes and revenues and fees has to go in, has to be deposited in the state public bank, from which uh, the the state public bank issues credit uh, and and takes care of of investments for the state and supports various projects that the bank has has a mission to perform. So it's not a bank that's uh, out to make maximizing profit. It is a bank that's designed to serve public interest as defined by the chartering of the bank. In North Dakota, it's a very broad mandate. We want to support agriculture, uh, business and industry, and the general well-being of the people of North Dakota as defined by or as determined by the board, the bank and the board of directors. Uh, and it is not the govern. It is not a government-operated bank. It's separated from the political and special interest realms by a couple of uh, arms lengths of, arch- of of design, of structural design that allows the bank uh, to perform with independence and without being uh, at the effect of crony uh, crony interest, special interests. Now, this is not a bank that does that, that competes with local financial institutions. It doesn't compete for the business of mortgages and car loans. It doesn't have branches or ATMs. Uh, It doesn't have bonuses or advertising campaigns. The people who are employed by the bank are getting respectable executive salaries as or uh, respectable uh, operational uh, managerial responsibilities, but they're not making millions of dollars. Uh, the the and millions and millions and millions of dollars in the case of the uh, of the CEOs of the big banks. <clears throat> but while they don't compete with the local banks, they basically, in a de facto way, uh, do compete with the the Bank of Americas, the the Wells Fargo's, the uh, J P Morgan Chase, the Goldman Sachs, the T D banks, etc. etc. U S banks, because those big banks are uh, are have a challenge in this within the state of North Dakota to outbid them or to lower the price of lending uh, that then from what is offered by the public bank. Well, and I'll give you an example. The, um, the bank of North Dakota just uh, set aside $250 million for municipalities to build schools and do whatever they have to do, uh, with 30 year loans, at a at a fra- at, at a two percent interest rate. Now, 
that's about half what is typical uh, in the bond market for municipal, uh, and half and much less in some cases. Some uh, uh, bonding rates go anything from three and a half to about nine percent. I've seen in some uh, bond costs that cities pay and municipal governments pay. So in other words, there's this enormous savings right up at, at the front of uh, of borrowing as a loan through your own bank than it is to having to go to Wall Street to the bond market, pay the fees, the underwriting, the insurance, the attorney's fees, <clears throat> and all of the additional fees that come right off of the top of the loan, as well as paying more for the interest. Instead, you borrow from yourself. Now, not only are you making a huge savings, the coolest thing about this is uh, that the money that you pay in interest goes to yourself, goes to your bank. It goes into your own bank. So that, in effect, the the money is free, okay? You know, it's, you know it's, it, the people are paying for it in the sense that they're paying interest, but they're paying the interest to themselves. And then the bank, it builds the bank's capability to lend more money into the economy. Now, uh, this is this that, is this is more for like large municipal projects, though, right? This isn't something where uh, I can go down, drop five hundred dollars in a in a in a in a savings account, and and do it that way. No, this is this is more like an institutional lending thing, correct? Uh, in the Bank of North Dakota model, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, although they, by law, they have to take some deposits. Uh, they maybe two percent of their business is deposits, but they don't make it easy. You can send your check in. They don't do mobile banking. They don't have that sort of right, thing. Right. They don't. They kind of discourage that because they want the local financial institutions, the community banks, and the credit unions to thrive. Uh, and so they. And because. For a couple of good reasons. First of all, these local institutions are businesses themselves right. who are invested in the local economy. Correct. So we want them to succeed. Uh, and they know the customers. They have a vested interest in the success of these customers. And they want to be able to uh, you know, make a living, but also by supporting other people's livings who live there. Now, what has happened in North Dakota as a result of that is that they've broken the mold of what has happened uh, with community banks around the country, around the U.S. now. The U.S. community banks have shrunk by thousands and thousands over the last decade. We're now down to about 6,000 or six to 7,000 community banks. There used to be, there were 15,000 10 years ago. Hmm. That's a, above all park figure. But so what that, what is happening there through the mergers and acquisitions of the big banks eating the small banks, the, the access to credit on a local basis becomes further and further away from the citizens. The citizens now have to, you know, go to uh, the the Wells Fargo, the TD computer, uh, to qualify for a loan. And these ba big banks are not particularly interested in making small loans. Why do they want to take a risk on your new small business? Why do they want to take a risk on, uh, you know, on, on on the other more risky sort of loans that are represented by people's lives? You know, they'd rather be able to make their fortunes as they do, moving paper and print, speculative sort of derivative, uh, multi-quadrillion speculative notional dollars. They Ooh, can make that more was money a doing mouthful. that. What did you just say there? Multi-quadrillion speculative notional dollars. Man, and you just uh, came up with that just like that, too. That's impressive. Keep going. <laughs> so, uh, there's probably more, but... <laughs> But 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 it's really it's fantasy land. It's fantasy finance that these big banks are are, are working it, and they're doing it with our money. So what 
now it's okay if you're an investor yourself and you put your money with these guys and make it a nice return and Wall Street's doing well for you. That's great. Have fun with that. Good luck. But in terms of public dollars, uh, you see what happens when you're tied into that global banking cartel in 2008, when one of these behemoths with all of these complex derivatives falls. Uh, what falls with it is the local economies, huge devastation and, and of course, uh, uh, financial devastation. Uh, the, that bubble burst because it was designed in part to burst because that's actually, that's a little too deep, but this is how, uh, this is how the monetary, the private monetary managers move us through cycles of boom and bust, boom and bust, boom and bust about every 10 years. Right. And it's the bust point where they re- where the money comes back to the people who are quote unquote the rightful owners. And I believe that was set by more, by, uh, by, uh, Rosen, uh, uh, by, um, Rothschild. Uh, so the the idea is once again we're demo, we're trying to illustrate the difference between what private banking does with uh, with our economy it controls it for its private interests and what happens to the economy when the public bank controls it as in North Dakota and or other little places like Brazil Russia India China Japan uh, who have private banks who have built their economy uh, on the ability to create currency their own currency because they are sovereign nations they don't have to borrow their money from from the fed which is a private institution you know government owned but it's a private institution uh... and i think that's not government owned it's privately owned uh... there's some government uh, overriding sort of uh, aligning sort of uh, in- involvement but basically it's for private interests so the public bank in north dakota um, makes a very striking contrast to uh, the private global uh, cartel that all of the other states in the country were using in 2008. There was only one state with that stayed in the black. There was only one state, one bank that made the greatest profit it had ever made, uh, successive uh, increase, and that was, of course, North Dakota, because they were insulated because they had their own bank, their own public bank, a public as a de facto sort of public central bank, where the, they were in, they, the mission of the bank is only to invest in North Dakota, only to invest in the things that will enrich and support and nurture and enable uh, the, uh, the, the citizens and the businesses of North Dakota. And so there's, it's a roaring success. Uh, the Wall Street Journal at the end of 2014 said it was the, the most profitable bank in America. It was something to make the Wall Street envious. It outperformed Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan Chase by 70% on return on equity, return on equity being a measure of bank efficiency and profitability. Uh, and for the last 12 years, has had a spread of, of return on equity of 17 to 26%. Holy cow. Every year, return on equity. Now, that right. means, you know, how, how efficiently the bank works, what's left over after it pays its fees, uh, which are dramatically different, about a tenth of what it costs the Bank of America to, to, to cover itself, is what the Bank of North Dakota operates as. So, so we are creating, we're, we're nurturing, supporting, and working in about 50 different initiatives around the U.S., some very exciting places, some very you know, big and small, big and small cities uh, and numerous states who are all looking at this prospect uh, with the idea of primarily reclaiming control of our money, of the public's money, for to work for the public interest. Now, let me stop you there for a second. Um, 
I'm not sure. I'm still wrapping. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this whole idea. Let and let's maybe we can do it this way. If I want to build a bridge in North Dakota, um, I how do I, how do I get financing from the Bank of North Dakota? And if you can compare that to building that same bridge in, say, South Dakota or any other state, yeah, and. Uh most governments, uh, most government institutions are uh, obliged to borrow because they don't, aren't able to keep a, l- a lot of their money. Their money comes, comes from taxes. Uh, those taxes ha- are spoken for by the budget of the respective entity. Uh, and uh, so they have to go someplace for money because they don't have a bank. Uh, and so they go to the bond market, to Wall Street, basically. Uh, and so, and so Wall Street is making this $4 trillion business out of lending um, money to cities, counties, and states at what I said, uh, rather, you know, at, at, at rates that are determined by the market, uh, and by, and, and, uh, based on the ratings that are given by the private ratings agencies that work for the big banks. So that if they say, you know, your city is in pretty good shape and we'll give you a 3% mortgage or a 3% uh, bond, uh, that, that'd be a good deal. Uh, but they might say, look, you know, like here in, in New Jersey, we've had 10 ratings downgrades in the last, or 11, I think, in the last uh, several years, which means that it's more, yeah, which means that it's much more expensive to build that bridge, right? And so there goes more of the money, uh, of the people's money, but also there goes the taxes, rising up higher to cover the cost of not being able to get our money affordably. Now, now, this municipality in North Dakota would say, we need $30 million for this bridge project. Uh, uh, and um, they, of course, could go to the market, bond market if they want to, but they could also go to the community, to the uh, Bank of North Dakota, which would could make a loan. Now, the bank is not a cap, is not a not completely captive to the government. They could say, look, this, you know, this looks like a reasonable public project, and uh, uh, but we don't feel like this is appropriate for what we're doing or what we can swing. So they can always say no, but they, uh, but that's not their job. Their job is to say yes when it makes sense and to then make the money more affordable. So that's uh, so they would get the money in the form of a loan, much cleaner. You don't have any of the underwriting and all of that stuff that that goes uh, uh, that is part of the bonding process. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's underwriting. Uh, I mean, presumably, uh, municipalities would be healthy enough to afford this bridge. But the bank could say, "Look, you know, you guys really don't seem to be too responsible about your money, and we don't feel comfortable with this. Why don't you go to the bond market?" They're bankers, in other words. They they have to manage the risk that the bank takes on when it makes loans. Now. The exciting thing about being a bank is that basically you have a license to print money. You actually, most people think that banks give uh, money that they already have in the vaults or that they have on their spreadsheets that they have, you know, laying around. But they don't lend those deposits. Banks actually create new money, mm-hmm. create brand new money when they make a loan. And this is how most of our money is made in the country, in fact, around the world. Uh, when a bank makes a loan, it's creating brand new, never existed before money. Uh, and, um, yeah, and, and, and charges you interest on it, okay? Now, obviously, they have to back up the money that, they've, uh, that they have uh, lent. 
and they can do that through the deposit base. And if they run out, if they don't have liquidity, uh, uh, the uh, banks can go to the Fed window and borrow it really cheap, uh, like now probably about 0.5 or 6%. Uh, and then they'll borrow that liquidity to balance their books. At the every, uh, end of every day, they have to balance their books. Uh, and they'll, they'll borrow the liquidity at under 1%, and they'll lend that money out at 3% or 7%, or in the case of a credit card, 25%. So you see the spread is enormous, predicated on a complete blank sheet of never existing before assets. And the banks are allowed to do that because they have a unique accounting system which makes their liabilities, which balances their assets and liabilities uh, day in and day out. When you, make a, when you, um, uh, when you get a loan, uh, it's a, an asset for the bank. But it's also a liability. It's an asset for them because you're going to pay interest to them for that money. But it's a liability because they have to come up with the 500k that you uh, uh, are asking for. So, uh, so it's a wonderful franchise. It has been obfuscated, obscured. Has been, uh, uh, you know, it is the it is the um, uh, wizard behind the curtain in the in the land of Oz uh, uh, metaphor allegory. Uh, it, because they make it look complicated, but it really isn't. Now, so, but it seems like it's this uh, stratified, this sort of uh, very, uh, you know, elevated um, realm that people can't understand. And it's too complicated, and so forth. So, so governments and gov- gov- you know, so government agencies typically don't see themselves as bankers, nor should they. But they should have a bank <laughs> because it is uh, it's it, it is simply a utility that we can all have and use. Now you had asked before. I don't want to keep rambling on here, but you had asked about whether or not the Bank of North Dakota gets down to the personal level of lending. And, yeah, I did. Uh, and I did want it, to get back to that. I mean, because yeah. you said that uh, twenty five at the outset of this, that twenty five to forty percent of all money in the world is held in in these public banks. I wanted to get back to some of that. How? Oh, first, first, before we get there, though, how did we end up with the bank in North Dakota, and how did that all, how did all that all come about, and how does it continue and continue as the only one? Um, well, it continues as the only one in part because North Dakota is out there; uh, they're not bragging <laughs> about their public bank. They've had it for ninety-eight years. Oh, no kidding! Uh, yeah, ninety-eight years, and uh, and they're not protagonists for public banking. Uh, they would even tell you they didn't think they wouldn't be able to do it uh, these days in the political environment. But uh, you ask how it started, uh, and that's a really interesting question because it's a great story. It's a great American story. Uh, in the plains of North Dakota in 1916. Uh, I feel the, like I should be playing some music behind this somehow. Go, go ahead. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Something, something, something like maybe a little banjo or some fiddle or something. Uh, but uh, the farmers there, hardworking dirt farmers in the upper Midwest, rough, rough winters, you know, but they're, they're sod busters uh, <clears throat> and um, trying to make a living raising, raising grain and so forth. Well, uh, they, you know, they built their barns and their houses and they were making a living okay. But the monopoly interests of the railroads, the granaries out of Minneapolis, and the, big ban- and the banks in New York and Minneapolis uh, were all working together to undermine the, the local farmers and to take over the industry of grains and 
the, the, the granary business and those farms. And so they would fix the prices, rate, you know, make the prices of shipping unreasonable. They would decline or, or reduce the price of that they would pay for grain. And then the bankers would come in and swoop in and foreclose on the houses and the farms. So, and, and they, you know, the farmers are hardworking, but they're not stupid. And they saw what was going on and they decided, they said, look, man, you know, we're going to, we're going to do something about this. We're going to, let's create, and they created a new party, a political entity called the Nonpartisan League, Nonpartisan League. Mm-hmm. And this was at, this was at a time when uh, the populist movement, the late 18, late 1800s, William Jennings Bryant, the union, uh, union movement, uh, and the suffragists in, uh, in the early uh, 20th century, uh, were, uh, uh, on the rise, the unionists were fighting against the monopolies of the big business for some safe working conditions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and monopolies uh, they were needed to be busted up. So, uh, and there was a very strong socialist streak, very strong socialist streak in the Upper Midwest. So there was that that setting was the, was the space in which uh, the bank emerged. Well, the the nonpartisan league. Uh, actually took over the government in, a, in an election in 1918, I think it was, 1919. Uh, and the first thing they did was create a state granary. So the farmers were then able to take their uh, grain and get a fair price for it. And the second thing they did was create a public bank. And the bank was, uh, by law, said, we're going to put all of our money that comes in through over the government transoms into our bank, and uh, we'll use it to extend credit, uh, which... They subsequently did, and you know, and for really for about seventy years, they simply did very good old boring banking. They didn't really use the bank with the potential or the power that that they use it now uh, to be able to uh, leverage uh, the their capital. Well, North Dakota has got about seven hundred thousand people in it, not a very big state, but they've got a seven point four billion dollar bank. Uh, and they have like the lowest foreclosure rates. They have the uh, the lowest unemployment. Uh, they've got the lowest number. They haven't had a bank failure in over 20 years. Um, they've all got all the greatest metrics. In fact, they've got the second highest uh, uh, surplus in an equity of any of any uh, state in the union behind Alaska, which has the oil. Uh, um, you know, um, uh, in, inheritance, call it what mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so they're they're beautifully positioned, and they support their people, so that they're able to do. They're able to come up with emergency money and save towns from devastation, which we've seen. They provide the, one of the lowest student rate, student lending rates in the country, one point seven five percent interest on, a, on an adjustable, uh, and and. So they're able to do things that the rest of the country wouldn't even be able to reasonably think about because they're all, quote-unquote, broke. And that's the other irony here, is that most of these cities, counties, and states are not broke. There's a huge amount of money that governments hold on to and, 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 and possess, have access to, uh, which you only find in the consolidated annual financial reports of these government entities, but you, at the, that the budget does not reflect. The budget is an annual document. But the CAFR, the, the Consolidated Annual Report, shows all of your assets and your liabilities. Uh, and uh, and you know, it might include pension funds, might, you know, so forth and so on. There are a lot of cate- categories of, of assets, which we could be using, okay? 
So the, the idea would be simply that, you know, if you had a home, but to get, it's like a home equity loan. Mm-hmm. You know, you go, you go to the bank to borrow money uh, because you don't have the money to make an improvement on your kitchen or your addition to your house. In North Dakota, they simply, they lend themselves the money because they've, they've got access to it. Uh, everybody else is going to Wall Street. Wall Street has, has cost America enormously and in all kinds of ways that are not just numbers. Um, but that's perhaps another story. Yeah, let's uh, let's save that one because that's that that's a whole new can of worms. Now, what about the uh, what about the rest of the rest of the world and other countries? How how do these public banks work there? And can you can you use your uh, ATM card to get uh, to, to to access a public bank elsewhere? I don't know, how does that work? Well, uh, you know, public banks could take a lot of different shapes, a lot mm-hmm. of different forms. And uh, as I, uh, what I started to say about the, the local lending uh, or the personal lending that goes on in North Dakota would look like, could look like very cost-effective small business loans that are, that are given through the local banks so that the public bank partners with the community banks to make these street-level loans. But the but the but the risk is shared, and the and the and the customer is known by the banker. The partner, the partnership public bank is in the background as a supporter. Around the world, uh, the, that form takes on a lot of different uh, shapes. So that in India, for example, they have a lot of a lot of their banks are are public. Um, they are used in some of the ways that I described, but they have a much more retail presence as well. So in America. We can devise these banks in a lot of different ways. We can have them do local lending if there are no banks uh, uh, in your area, but that's a different level of risk, uh, and that has to be factored into you know what what the community wants to uh, uh, provide or, or commit to. Um, so I, you know, I, I, the, you know, Costa Rica and Ecuador are, are two really good examples of countries that are uh, whose economies are doing very well. Of course, China is a brilliant example uh, because they've you know, transformed their country in a handful of years from agrarian to this hustle and bustle, growing, growing ridiculously sort of thing. Well, they funded all that with their public bank. In other words, they used the power of their sovereign currency to issue it into the economy and to build stuff. Right now. Right. So we don't do we typically don't you know, the quantitative easing thing where the Fed put a lot of money into the economy. They didn't put it in the economy. I mean, they put it to their into the banks. They put it into they gave it to their banking uh, colleagues trillions of dollars. Mm-hmm. It never made it to Main Street. Wall Street got the benefit of that. Main Street didn't get squat. Uh, and so we all struggled. Businesses closed. We lost 70% of our equity in many cases. P- millions of people lost their homes. Their jobs are, are gone and can't come back. Students are broke. So we're living in the richest country in the world with a, a basket case uh, economic uh, reality for me- most people. You know, the benefits of productivity that have grown enormously in the last several decades have not redounded to the benefit of the workers. And that's a systemic problem that public banking is able to address. It redemocratizes the control of our money and the use of our money for our for our own interests. Okay, now that all sounds good. Now, how how is it? You said that the the North Dakota Bank is about two arms length away from the political process. How exactly is that set up? Because it seems to me, I mean, you could set up a public bank, but who who says when the next governor, or the next president comes? Uh, right. is elected, you know, that the rules can't change and, and suddenly we end up with something completely different. How does it work in North yeah. Dakota? 
Well, first of all, that's a really, really key point in terms of, of concern for most people. You got to give the politicians a bank? What are you crazy? Well, yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and of but course, you would that, have that's, to be crazy yeah. too. You would have to be crazy. So the bank does not get does not operated by the politicians, nor the politicians do not make the loan decisions. That they don't have the ability to uh, directly, anyway, influence uh, who the bank does uh, does make uh, loans to. Uh, the bank is operated by not only a group of professional managers, bankers, but they are also overseen by a board of directors that represent the public. Uh, either uh, some of them representing elected officials, or not elected officials, but uh, some of uh, being elect, appointed by elected officials, others named and brought into the board by stakeholders, citizen stakeholders, uh, that would include, include community banks, it could be uh, community development financial institutions, it uh, could be students, could be small business people, uh, could be, you know, affordable home advocates. So you can have then this and and so while the bank is managed directly, the loans are made by the bankers, assessing the risk and and the and, and the consistency uh, or the conformity to the mission of the bank. Then you've got the bank, the board of directors, and the advisory board. And then uh, 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 past that is where the electoral process and the politics exist. So you've got those two different sections, uh, and the board of directors operates on a rotating basis through political cycles so that they're not influenced uh, uh, that way either. And of course, they're not the ones that are making the bank. They're not telling the bank to make loans to specific parties. But they will say, look, we want to make loans into renewable energy. Uh, or we want to support small businesses, or we want to do a line. Of, we think we should do a, or could do a line of lending uh, for students. Let's look into that. Well, that's what North Dakota does. They look into it and they build up these great programs and uh, and and in the process then really build build the the depth of the local economies to continue to be sustainable. Uh, and by the way, when I said sustainability, that made me think that there is reminded me that the current system that we use, relying on Wall Street borrowing, is unsustainable. And the reason it's unsustainable is because the interest that is extracted from that borrowing continues to deteriorate our financial, our public financial situation, uh, as, as well as the, the enormity of that expense. But so you have the cycle of debt and higher taxes. And when you have to, when you have more needs and you don't have the money, you have to borrow again, which means you've got more debt, which means you've got more taxes. And that's not sustainable. I mean, it's just not growth. The whole growth imperative in our economy is not sustainable. Uh, that's not nothing in nature grows forever unless it's cancer, right? <laughs> but in in the in the case of uh, um, in the case of the public bank, uh, it, it flips that on its head. You borrow from your public bank, you know, you build something, you build a house or a business or whatever, and uh, and you pay the interest to your bank, and then of course you've built something meaningful and valuable in the community. Uh, the bank, meanwhile, is making bank by, uh, by through the interest payments that you've made, and they'll and then by ob they're obliged and want to lend it out to your neighbor for them to do that too, or to build that bridge down the street. And so and so you're starting you build physical equity. You actually stimulate the local economy by putting the money into the ground, not into silly paper to pay interest to, to shareholders. So, right? in, in other words, in all the money that goes out of our current financial system and into the pockets and overseas accounts of giant bankers and enormously wealthy people, that then gets put back 
into the public bank, which then loans it out for more projects. Is this is this what I'm getting? That's it. That's it. Okay. That's the essence of it. Yeah. Okay. So instead of removing yeah. money, you're constantly making more. That's right. Gotcha. That's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. This makes a lot more sense now. It's effectively, if I may kind of simplify it, it's it's in effect a statewide credit union in a manner of speaking. Well, that's interesting. Um, a statewide credit union, uh, yeah, credit union, of course, has sometimes there used to have some restrictions on who could participate. But that's been relaxed enormously uh, of late, yeah. thankfully. Um, but the the people there are the owners, uh, and uh, so they they get some dividends and benefits and can borrow inexpensively. Absolutely, it is that model. Um, I think it's it's fair to say it's that model, uh, but it's not a credit union right. because obviously it's it's not. Yeah. yeah, well, just borrowing language that's out there, just to yeah. try and try and make some sense of it. Okay, cool. Um, now, again, back to the twenty-five to forty percent. What? Give me some examples of you know countries aside from. I could, well, I guess you already did. You said, said China is uh, basically propped up their system by doing this. Um, are there any places where public banking has failed and and then? You know, taking taking yeah. money down with it. Yeah, well, there aren't a lot of examples uh, because there haven't been a lot of those uses. But but mm-hmm. in the uh, the most recent examples um, would be somewhere back in the 20th century. I think that uh, I would think of one that wasn't quite a public bank in Los Angeles. Uh, they made they basically made bad loans. They had the politicians involved. They made loans for affordable housing. I guess that didn't uh, didn't work. The risk was too high. They weren't managing the the, the business. Uh, you know they had they commingled, uh, frankly, uh, social public in, uh, public project uh, interests and operated as a charity or a lender of last resort. Well, that's not what this, these banks are. Not charities and not lenders of last resort. It's a bank. It's a commercial operation that has uh, has uh, uh, the parameters of lending and uh, uh, rules about risk taking. So it doesn't do stupid loans. But when you do, you lose your bank. That's why they don't do stupid loans. <laughs> gotcha. um, okay. Yeah, you know. Now that's not putting down any of the agencies that lend critically needed money into communities like CDFIs, the Community Development Financial Institutions. But the public bank in North Dakota lends to them as well. You know, if they they can support. They do support a lot of the development needs in the state in North Dakota. That's one of their. Uh, I understand they're right down the hall from the from the main offices. So, yeah. And there you have it. Hey, what do you think? Um, what do you think of the proposal? I know when Bernie Sanders was running for president, uh, one of the things that he threw his weight behind was a a modicum of banking to be done by the uh, U.S. Postal Service. What do you What do you think yeah. about that idea? Oh, that's a great idea. It's a beautiful idea. It's, it's a variation of the public bank model. Um, uh, the post office should be doing that. It, the post offices around the world do that uh, very successfully. And it, it did it successfully here in the U.S. until about 1964, I think. So the, you could go to the post office, have a little savings account, um, uh, and you could you could borrow. And it was pretty straightforward. And the, the cool thing about that now is that as the community banks disappear in the merger acquisition uh, era that we're in, a lot of communities don't have uh, 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 banks in their community. A post office is in almost every community in America, mm-hmm. uh, and it would be it's a it's already a profitable business that 
postal, uh, the USPS, that is. Um, and uh, they could do this very well and serve uh, a lot of uh, good needs. That would be that's a great idea. It's a very common sense, logical idea. And by the way, Bernie just last week came out in favor of a public bank, um, a, a public bank in New uh, in Vermont. But he's uh, also taken the stand in favor of public banks back to 2013. So he's definitely on board with uh, with that. Um, and this is a very exciting year for this uh, for this endeavor. Uh, because public is banking that? is really, it, it's it's taking hold all over the country, and we're really the, the city of Santa Fe uh, has the city council just unanimously decided to move forward with their uh, investigating uh, their bank and chartering process. Really, they've they've looked at the they've done the study of their market, and they realized that gee, you know, even with a small little bit of capitalization, we could save um, a, like a nine million dollar capitalization, which is like nothing. Uh, they would still make, save $1.2 million the first year and make $500,000 in the process. And so in the first seven years, they'd save $25 million. Now, that's a small city, but they are very, they're getting very, very close. Then you have the city of Philadelphia that's also starting to look at it. And, uh, and, uh, the, uh, and Seattle and Tacoma and Portland and uh, San Francisco and Oakland and Los Angeles has now got a new uh, pursuit of it. Um, the states of uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Albuquerque is involved, Michigan, Illinois, uh, they're on it in Alaska, even uh, talk about that in uh, Hawaii. Uh, the Northeast is, has been widely pursuing this meaning uh, from uh, from Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts, uh, Connecticut. There have been initiatives in all of these states. You get to the state level where the big bank interests really have a lot more control, and you, you realize how, you know, how the will of the people can be shunted by the dollars of the big banks uh, or the dollars of the lobbyists um, uh, who are affecting the votes of the elected reps. Yeah, well, we that is that. the way of the world, isn't it? Well, it's it, it is until we change that, right. you know. And so, the, if the, and this is one of the reasons why public banking strategically is such a useful and powerful way to to have democratic interests actually gain some power. If we can retain control of our money, we can further, can start to determine uh, have more say in our policy. So, what are our priorities here? Uh, in this community, what do we need? Do we want to invest? Uh, do we want to invest in uh, light rail, or do we want to invest in a sports arena? You know, uh, do we? You know, are we going to throw uh, tax benefits to big corporations, or do we want to stimulate small business? You know, do we want to? Do we have to sell twenty-five schools or close twenty-five schools as they did in Philadelphia to pay two hundred and fifty million dollars in in fees to quote get out of a bad uh, interest rate swaps, you know, that's what happened in Philadelphia uh, to the school city and the city itself and other cities, Chicago and Los Angeles, all paid hundreds of millions of dollars just to get out of bad Wall Street product, financial products that they were selling all over the country. So it's a chance for us, for the people to separate ourselves from the overbearing, uh, overpowering uh, uh, role that Wall Street and private financial interests play. Well, you said that this is a big year for this, and that uh, and you listed uh, any number of, of states and cities that are interested in the public banking system. How does a how does a city where is who's the farthest along, and how what have they done to uh, what have they done to try and make this happen? 
Um, well, uh, as I say, Santa Fe is the one who's gone through probably most of the step-by-step procedures. At this point, they are the, probably the closest uh, to, to get it. Uh, but, you know, there are lots of ways to, or to create it. Uh, there are lots of ways to uh, pursue this. You can either have it from the ground up, the grassroots saying, we want this, uh, and, and working with their elected officials to show them why it makes sense and to help them and to nurture and uh, support them in the, elector- the political process, because there will be pushback. Um, or you can have the top-down sort of declaration. So, for example, in New Jersey, the, um, the candidate Phil Murphy, who is the leading Democratic candidate, a former banker himself. For governor. Uh, uh, for who's running for governor is yeah. building a large portion of his financial recovery around the idea that he's going to start keeping New Jersey's billions of dollars in the state instead of giving to the big banks to send off elsewhere. And he wants to start to, and uh, he wants to invest here. Now, Seth Caperdale, who is the Green Party candidate, also has come out in favor of the state bank idea. So having two gubernatorial candidates talking about public banking has put this into a whole new frame of reference of viability and of, of, uh, of a real uh, political practicality. People are starting to say, well, what's a public bank? And then when they find out, they say, well, why don't we have this? <laughs> this makes sense. It just makes sense. You know, that sort of realization comes to people uh, pretty quickly. And so it, it's, a, it's a very magnetic sort of a, uh, of a cause, if you will, and a movement uh, where people are getting pretty excited about the idea that, you know, it's our money, uh, and we can do some. Some we can finally get around to uh, affording and paying for the exciting stuff that we want to have happen here. We want good schools. We want good, uh, a safe environment. We want etc. 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 People can start to realize that they want you know bridges and roads and transportation, and all kinds of kooky things like that, right? Yeah, right. And affordable housing, and places to live. Uh, you know that we we are in in an, a time of great need for transformative. Uh, policies, but also uh, for transformational thinking. When we stop thinking as if we live in a world that's that's uh, restricted by innate scarcity, when in fact there's an enormous abundance, uh, and the reason that there's scarcity is that the, the the wealth is controlled by singular private interests, who who measure it out to us under terms that they set. So that and, and so and that's the private banking cartel that basically, frankly, Keith, you know, it runs the world. They own the world. <laughs> oh, and, without question. And yeah. I think that bears repeating. Actually, that there isn't the scarce. We're we're constantly told, oh, we can't afford this. That costs too much. You know, we can't have nice things because you know those lazy welfare people are sucking up all our money. Um, you know, we've, we've uh, at least in my lifetime, and I've, I'm not young, um, we've been constantly told that there just isn't enough money to go around for, you know, lots of things like bridges and tunnels and, uh, you know, decent roads, f- decent housing for people, or even, for that matter, enough food for everyone to eat. We just simply don't have the money. But what the truth really is, is that, there is, there is plenty. There's plenty of money to go around. It's just being stuffed in somebody else's pockets, correct? Uh, well, yes. And, and I would just point out that it's not that there's, uh, uh, there's money is an, uh, an unlimited tap. Now, certainly there are constraints inside of any monetary system of balance. 
you have to keep certain but you can't you know just have all of the money uh just keep spitting it out uh without uh, uh without a reference to how it, how it's uh, occupying the spaces of the economy but there's no scarcity from it as we grow we can simply create more credit so when i said earlier on that money is a utility it's a utility that belongs to everyone uh because it it it, it is a requirement for life to to participate in the community uh, let alone the part of the community economy to be able to be safe and, and secure um that is uh, what communities do for each other and they must do to each other for each other uh, ex- unless you're in a community where exploitation of uh, uh, domination and control uh, are the are your objectives that you want the people to be poor because they'll always be indebted to you and you'll you'll always be able to um, you know uh, uh, move them around um, so yeah there's there's no reason for anybody to be uh, hungry or without a place to be safe uh, it's just no need this is the richest country in the world right uh, but and I think that uh, I think it's Gar Alperovitz of the Democracy Collaborative pointed out that the based on our gross uh, on the um, our our annual income. Everybody, man, woman, and child in the U.S. Sh- should be worth about two hundred thousand uh, dollars. You know, ostensibly. And I realize that gets divvied up in a lot of different ways. But uh, the point being that there's no scarcity, even ex- with, with existing resources and existing structure. Why we can't see to it that can people have, have decent lives that don't have to worry about food or education or health and so forth and so on. So. I think that that's uh, something we want to keep in mind as well. Uh, we're being sold a bill of goods in which they get to uh, uh, perpetuate a certain amount of uh, abusive uh, practices. I apologize about that music, by the way. I'm going to show yeah, that's not the uh, theme song here. We don't, no. we don't uh, <laughs> no. sanction that. <laughs> I'm afraid not. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let, me, let me ask you this. If people want to learn more about uh, public banking, how do they do that? Thank you for for that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, come to the Public Banking Institute. dot org. Public Banking Institute. dot org, uh, and you can learn all. There are all kinds of uh, information, videos, audio. Uh, we do. A, uh, I do a show with uh, Ellen Brown, the, who wrote the book Web of Debt. She's really the founder of this movement uh, nationally. And uh, uh, if you happen to be in New Jersey, there's a there's a, a website called Banking on New Jersey, an organization called Banking on New Jersey, which will give you access to a great deal of information. Uh, and also, I would I would mention that there's going to be a national public banking con- conference in Princeton uh, this um, uh, this September, the 15th and the 16th, uh, and uh, we'd love to have you come. We'll have some really great speakers from around the country, uh, real experts, but also a chance for us to bear down and focus on how we're going to make uh, these things happen. New Jersey is a very vibrant spot right now for this work, uh, and uh, I do think that it may well become one of the leading uh, lights uh, around the country uh, if uh, if things go as we like. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Walt McCray from the Public Banking Institute. I thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome, Keith. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to have a chance to chat with you. And there we have it. A nice little short interview with uh, Walt McCree from the Public Banking Institute. Uh, go Seriously, go look up that website, publicbankinginstitute.org. Uh, there's a 
ton of information on there about public banking. You would uh, you'll spend days. It's it's interesting. It's something that could help us all, and uh, I think something that uh, needs a little more attention. Uh, publicbankinginstitute.org. My thanks again to Walt uh, for hanging out with me and uh, chatting me up on this. this. is a really great thing. Uh, that's it. That is it for the We Are Here podcast number 007. Uh, like I do at the end of every show, I'm begging you now to follow us on Twitter at We Are Here Pod. At we are here pod. That is our handle on Twitter. Do it for crying out loud. It's just pushing a button. Just click on the damn button and follow us. We need the followers uh, because that's what you need these days, I guess. I don't know. Uh, more importantly, come back again when we have another podcast. That'll be super cool, too. Uh, Facebook, if you want to do it, uh, facebook.com slash we are here podcast. And uh, email me if you want. Uh, tell me how bad the show is. Uh, we are here pod at gmail.com. We are here pod at gmail.com. That's it. That's all I've got for you people. I don't know what more you want from me. Uh, this has been a ton of fun, as it usually is. And um, I'll put something together as quickly as I possibly can and, uh, and come back and talk to you again. Uh, thanks again. Spread the word around if you could. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, tell people, uh, tell people about the show if you can, uh, until we speak again, we won't speak again until we speak again or something like that. All right. I'll see you. Bye. Shop as usual and avoid panic buying.